This is Mindset for Success with your host, Dr. Leslie Knudsen. Each week, she will interview women entrepreneurs to explore the unconscious psychological struggles they faced as they build their businesses and how they overcame them. Here's your host, Leslie Knudsen. I'm so excited to introduce my next guest, Daniel Dobson-Smith, who uses the pronouns they and them and has a fascinating international career path that began as a college professor of hotel and service management. Following this, they held senior executive and C-suite positions in many medium and large corporations across many continents and in a wide range of sectors. They are the founder of The Soul Trained, which offers coaching, psychotherapy, and business consulting, and is an I, and a board advisor for Women Entrepreneur Global. Daniel is originally from the UK and lives now in Northern California with their husband, David. Thank you very much, Daniel, for joining me today. Oh, Leslie, it's a pleasure, and thank you for such a kind and, and wonderful introduction. You're welcome. So, Daniel, as you know, it takes a lot to be a successful female entrepreneur. And business acumen is key, but we rarely talk about the psychological challenges that women often face to achieve that success. I refer to these as those negative and sometimes persistent thoughts that create doubt, undermine success, and can destroy self-confidence and risk-taking. So I wanted to start by asking you a few questions, and we'll kind of try to see what we can do to explore this. Um, Can you start by sharing with us your fascinating uh, history and professional journey of first working in the UK and then moving here to the US? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I I literally grew up in the hospitality industry. My parents owned a pub um, between when I was uh, between the ages of nine and sixteen, and so um, it felt like like a just a natural um, a natural evolution for me to go um, go to college and and get my undergrad in hotel management, um, and. Um, I think I owe the start of my career to a woman that I met uh, while I was doing my undergrad. She was a mature student, and she was the head of a department at a local hospitality college. And she said to me, I think you would be a good teacher of this subject. Mm-hmm. And uh, being a young, uh, naive, up for it, excitable person, I was like, okay. So I'll give it a go. And um, I, uh, after my undergrad, um, I went straight into a adult college to learn how to be a teacher and a, a college professor um, and was given a job, uh, was awarded a job by this woman who, who had kind of, I guess, mentored or identified or advocated for me. Um, and um, that that led to me at, at, at one point in time being the youngest college professor in, in the UK, mm. which was both um, which was both uplifting and terrifying at the same time. And I can remember one particular class 
um, that I was running on public house operations, there was um, there was a gentleman in that class who was born on the same day in the same year as my mum, and he had owned a pub for 25 years, which was longer than I'd been alive. And I can remember a, very distinctly a moment where I was handing back this gentleman uh, an assignment, a paper that he had written on running a pub, and I had graded it a C. And I, I just, I just felt so wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This twenty, this young twenty-something-year-old, like judging um, and assessing how this person was running their pub, mm-hmm, uh, and mm-hmm. um, and so at that in that moment, I, it was that very moment I was like, okay, I got to get out of teaching, and I've, I've got to go and get some experience, real-world industrial experience under my belt. And eventually come back to teaching, um, and so I moved out of teaching and and, and went to find a um, a position um, in what was called personnel in those days. Today mm-hmm. we refer to that as HR or talent or people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to work for the 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 then Great British retailer Marks and Spencer, mm-hmm. and and over the years have just carved out um, a career in the space of organizational transformation, organizational psychology, performance development, and learning, um, learning and development. Um, to, and, and that's really taken me to, to where I am today. And um, I still have plans to become a teacher again one day um, <laughs> in a college. Um, but, um, but right now, um, I find myself uh, getting involved in in all of the things that you introduced me as. So mm-hmm. that, that's, in a nutshell, that's the potted version of my career that's brought me to here today. Um, you know, it's it's very interesting that you came over to the U.S. and then had a very kind of busy and important corporate world uh, experience mm-hmm. as well and mm-hmm. left it and did the brave, courageous thing to launch your own coaching business. Mm. And I'm sure it probably came with some risk. And <laughs> if so, <laughs> how were you able to manage this? Yeah, I mean the big the biggest risk is how in the hell am I going to pay the mortgage? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and um, and I guess I like many people. Um, you know how you know how they say a goldfish grows to the size of the tank that it exists in. Mm-hmm. I think you know my my monthly outgoings grew to the size of my monthly incomings. You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. for um, sure, yeah, yeah. So making making that shift from a corporate world job where you know medical insurance was paid and um, there was a monthly salary and not that anyone is guaranteed. <clears throat> Not that anyone in a in a paid employment job is guaranteed that that job is going to go on forever. I think we can sometimes lull ourselves into a false sense of security that we have security. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think it was that exact belief, um, or or me rem- reminding myself that even in the corporate world, there is no guarantee that my my monthly income or my salary is going to continue ad infinitum. And I think that was the biggest thing for me in making a switch from a corporate job, a salary, corporate salary job into being an entrepreneur. Um, that was the thing that gave me the confidence to do it. the risk. 
say that again, Leslie. Right, and, and it was like, it, 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 it's a little bit like de-escalating the risk. 100%. Um, minimizing it. Minimizing it. In or minimizing the, the risk. Right. Uh, and just taking a perspective on that. And there, there, you know, there were some, there were some, there were some actual concrete steps that I, that I took to minimize and manage the risk. But the biggest one was the belief in myself mm -hmm. um, and the belief that what I had to offer the world was valuable beyond a, beyond a salaried role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And tell me a little bit about that belief. How did you how did you learn to listen to it? Um, lots of set psychotherapy, <laughs> lots of my own coaching, an incredibly supportive husband mm -hmm. um, who believes in me. I think sometimes more than I believe in me, mm -hmm. um, and um, and slowly but surely allowing myself to believe that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, because mm -hmm. as, as an entrepreneur, I think what you're bringing into the world is a part of who you are. At least I think the successful entrepreneurs are the ones that, um, that, that whatever it is that they're putting out there, whether it be a product or a service, that they're putting, they're putting themselves into it. And that's that, you know, it, it's, it, it's um, paying attention to the success and paying attention to the signs mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. were an important part of my process of becoming comfortable, more comfortable um, and less risk averse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, setbacks are, of course, a way of life. But mm -hmm. as entrepreneurs, set, but for as entrepreneurs, setbacks can feel especially heavy, given mm -hmm. that entrepreneurs do not necessarily have access to much structure up front and support mm -hmm. to help them through move, help them move through difficulty. I just wondered um, if you've had experience with setbacks, and if so, had you overcome them? Mm. I mean, you know, at the beginning of this year, when um, you know the the world was turned upside down, not only by a lot of social injustice that was happening across America, um, but also with with the COVID pandemic, and it, there was a there was a period of time at the beginning of this year where companies that would normally invest in the sorts of things that I offered, I offer, um, pulled back, pulled mm -hmm. right back. You know, mm -hmm. they they had they had jobs to protect for people, they had um, businesses to protect, and so discretionary spending and investment in coaching or learning and development or, or cultural consultation um, was, was, at the, was at the bottom of the list of priorities um, mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. businesses around the world struggled to right themselves and keep themselves afloat. Um, and, and, and all of a sudden, I saw my business pipeline just dry up overnight mm -hmm. and that mm -hmm. that was that was a moment that was an oh shit moment right. um uh and 
And in those moments, what did I do? I, I kept on believing, first of all. And I kept, I just got on the phone and I, and I called and I um, adapted and, you know, all, my entire practice moved online into the virtual world as opposed to in person. And that was a big, that was a big deal for someone like me and in what I do, because for the last 25 years, I, I had a, I had a belief that, you know, um, potent potent learning experiences, whether they be within a group um, or one-to-one, are only as potent and and as effective as they are when you do it in person because Mm -hmm. there's there's a level of energy exchange and there's a level of physicality physicality that you get Mm -hmm. in rooms Mm -hmm. with people that leads to change and, um, and transformation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if anything, 2020 has, has taught me that that belief that I had for, for 25 years is fundamentally untrue. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And um, my clinical practice is online. My coaching practice is online. And I have been running some incredibly um, effective and impactful and evocative learning experiences around um, inclusion and belonging leadership mm-hmm. development and management development. Um, and so um, I think the setback, I, I always say it's, it's not the falling down that counts, it's the manner in which we get back up that mm-hmm. counts the most. Mm-hmm. And I think 2020 has taught me about adaptability, resilience and bounce back ability. Right. And also using your love of teaching and your love of probably being flexible with how you get your message across and knowing that the message that you have is authentic and something that you can pull out and share with your clients, with your, um, yeah, with your clients. Well, thank you, Leslie. I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't been conscious of that until you brought it to my attention. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Once a teacher, always a teacher. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) So um, let me just sort of do a a sharp right turn and ask you, Mm -hmm. um, certainly this will rely a lot on your coaching practice. Um, What do you think having good founder DNA is? And how would you go about evaluating someone having this? I think good founder DNA is about being clear on your why, being clear on your lane, and being consistent in sticking to your why and driving in your lane. Mm-hmm. Okay, I need you to like talk that out a little bit, unpack that a little bit for me. Uh-huh. So knowing exactly what you know, and not straying out of the lane. Well, it's it's if you're going to start something, start by answering the question why. Mm-hmm. Why start it? Mm-hmm. And not only why start it for the customer or the client or the end user, but why start it for you? Like, what is your skin in the game? Mm-hmm. What is your motivation? 
What is it getting for you? For what purpose would you do this for mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what you're selling, right? That's what you're building is your mm-hmm. why. Because mm-hmm. when, the going, mm-hmm. when the going gets tough, and it will, um, when there are bumps in the road that are inevitable, mm-hmm. focusing mm-hmm. on that why and, and staying clear on that why is what is going to generate the motivation and the resilience for you to endure and, and for you to continue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And once you're clear on the, on the why, understanding what your lane is within that why relative mm-hmm. to all of the other people that are likely in your marketplace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there, there, there's so many, you know, I think it was Andy Warhol that said there's no such thing as an original idea. And that was in the 70s. Right, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. 50, 50 years later, right. as as we have gotten increasingly more connected through social media and just the general kind of twenty four hourness of the news and and information, that I would imagine that the idea of there being a truly original thought is a dim and distant fallacy mm-hmm. or, yeah. or memory. Yeah. So. Once you've established your why, understanding what it is that you are doing that is different to everybody else and stay and, and just stay in that lane, you know, mm-hmm. and be that, mm-hmm. be that thing and be the heck out of it mm-hmm. so that, so that you are, so that, so that you know the space that you occupy and that you can own it. Mm-hmm. 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 Right. I can see that, and I can see how important it is to really understand the why and be mm-hmm. and true and authentic to it. Well, the, the answer to the question why is, is the source of your motivation. It's, it's mm-hmm. just as simple as that, you know. And when, when people have um, an answer to the question why, they know why they're getting up. They know why they're buying. They know why they want something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People are buying the why; they very rarely buy the what. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let me ask you something else, because I know that you're interested in leadership strategies. Do you think that leadership strategies are important to your work, and how has this impacted even your own career and life development? I mean, yes. Um, you know, I, I don't think I don't think leadership is anything to do with hierarchy. Um, I don't think that you mm-hmm. are, you become, mm-hmm. you, I don't think that you become a leader once you are managing people or products or process. I think you are, a, if you are, if you are influencing the opinion of yourself or mm-hmm. other people, you're a leader, right? Right. And so right. W- to me, what, it, what is it that makes a leader? And I always say that leadership is a behavior, not a title. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. You know, leadership has nothing to do with your pay grade. Leadership has everything to do with the fact, the, the extent to which you have followers or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you have followers, you are a leader. So how do you get followers? To, to my mind, um, and this is, this is central to the work that I do with, in, in all of my work, in my coaching mm-hmm. work, mm-hmm. Um, in my group work, it's all about how do you be yourself but, but be yourself with increasing levels of choice and skill, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
right? And and when when you when you are being your youest you, mm-hmm. um, and you're doing it in a choiceful, mindful way, um, you you will gather followers as a result of that. Um, and so, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are thousands upon thousands of books written by very successful people um, who have become even more successful because of the books that they've written about how to do leadership. Um, and mm-hmm. they're all true. Mm-hmm. They're all true. Mm-hmm. But, if you, but if, you, if you read them all, you'd probably end up more confused than, than you were when you started about what makes a great mm-hmm. leader. Mm-hmm. And so the foundation to it all, I believe, is remembering that leadership is a behavior, not a title. Mm-hmm. And when you start from that place, um, that that's what I think is the is the root of a, of, a, of great leadership and the best leadership strategy. And it's important because you have to live it authentically and not hide behind the title. Mm-hmm. Because it's hard Absolutely. to sort of be a leader if you're, you know, if you if if you don't. I mean, I'm thinking of the imposter syndrome, right? If you don't feel like right. you're a leader, the title isn't going to help you become any stronger at leading right and and people will see it they 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 you know they they won't necessarily know that you're impacted by imposter syndrome they won't necessarily know um they won't necessarily know that you're impacted by imposter syndrome but they will know that you're not being congruent they will know Mm -hmm. that there is something up Mm-hmm. And that and that will give that will give cause for raised eyebrows or side eye or caution mm-hmm. when it when it comes to buying into you, right. um, and and that's why that kind of be yourself with increasing amounts of choice and skill is so important. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. and and the root of that is self awareness and self acceptance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So to just sort of like quickly finish off on that self awareness, self acceptance means also that you have to you have to be able to have a good work-life balance in the sense that it takes time to sort of figure out what you need and to really spend time doing it for yourself. Mm. What has been the hardest thing for you about finding a work-life balance and what have you done to be able to do this? Well, controversially, Leslie, I don't believe in work-life balance. <laughs> Um, because I, I don't, I don't think that that work and life are separate entities. Mm-hmm. Work is a part of our life, mm-hmm. right? and our life is made up of so many different contexts. Work is one of them. Our intimate relationship is another. Our family mm-hmm. relationships is another. Mm-hmm. Our spirituality mm-hmm. is another. Our health and fitness is another. So, what I believe in, and what I kind of what I like to talk a lot about instead of work-life balance is work-life blend. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how do, how, do you, how do you work to ensure or how do you attain a place where the, all of the aspects of, it, of your life are in balance? And I also don't think it's a static thing mm-hmm. because sometimes, sure. sometimes there is a context of your life that needs to be a bigger slice of the pie mm-hmm. one month than it does the next month. 
Mm-hmm. And I sure. and I think it is a constant conversation that you have with yourself about checking in. Am I where I want to be? It, is my life in it, it blended in the way that I want it to be right now? If the answer is yes, who gives who gives a a monkey's if you are working for 60 hours a week and sleeping for 20 hours a week and, or, you know, it, it doesn't matter. What matters is how right, you feel right. about it. Right, right. And if your priorities are all in order. If, you're, if you've got, if you, if you feel um, in your heart of hearts that you have your priorities in the right order and you are apportioning the 24 hours that you have in your day that everybody has in their day mm-hmm. in a way that, that uplifts you and that, that enables you to be at your best, mm-hmm. then, then nobody else really, their opinion doesn't matter. Right, right. And you don't have to meet some sort of preconceived notion of what it means to be balanced, I guess, either. Totally, totally. Who knows? Daniel, I wanted to say thank you so much for sharing with our listeners today um, about your experience as an entrepreneur and also how you overcame some of the uh, psychological abs- obstacles. Mm-hmm. Um, where can people reach you to learn about your work? Oh, you can. My website is soultrained.com uh, and you can take a look at the site. You can get me at um, daniel at soultrained.com. Um, and you can find me on LinkedIn if you want to as Daniel Dobson Smith. Okay, great. Thank you again so much, Daniel. It is my pleasure, as always, to speak with you, Leslie. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Women Entrepreneurs Global, the first startup studio and digital DIY startup platform for women. For more information on her guests, this podcast, and many other female founder programs, please visit womenentrepreneurs.global. We believe in open and non-stigmatizing dialogue about the hidden psychological difficulties experienced by many successful entrepreneurs and highlighting the strategies used to overcome them, such as the fear of failure, of not being good enough, and that loud, chattering internal critic is critical to helping other founders achieve success. Please join her next week for more Mindset for Success stories. That was Dr. Leslie Knudsen, and you can drop her a line at dr.lesliekenudsen at dr.lesliekenudsen.com.